Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 25 of How Do You Write? This week, we are talking to my friend Janine Bages, who is a remarkable woman. She's one of those people that every time I think I really know her, she'll come out with something completely off the wall that I didn't know she knows how to do and perhaps learned to do in, say, Turkey or someplace. She's amazing. She's so incredibly smart. I am delighted to talk to her. You will enjoy the interview. Uh, In a little bit of catch up for this week, it's actually two weeks because I took the week of Thanksgiving off. Huzzah! Um, During that time, I did finish my book. I finished it last Friday. I was hoping I would get it done uh, before Thanksgiving and I didn't quite. I had to squeak in the ending on the Friday after Thanksgiving. But I took Thanksgiving off and that was great. And I have to say that this book, which is um, a 60,000 word romance that is the second in the Ballard Brothers series, which is kind of a shorter series that I write uh that's romance, completely to self-publish in all areas of the world. Um, I have never written a book as fast. Um, I really wanted to, <laughs> I really wanted to get it to my editor on time, which I mentioned in the interview with Janine. And having that kind of accountability can be really awesome, especially if you really respect the person that you're working with. I don't ever want to lose my editor. She is so fantastic. And I know that she's completely booked. And if I lose my slot, if I miss it, I may not get it again. And uh, so I had to be mindful of that when I was writing. And I was really trying to get this book done in about four weeks, um, just kind of to see if I could do it. And I did. I got it written and revised to a draft I was proud enough to send to my editor um, in uh, in exactly four weeks, maybe plus or minus a day. And like I said, it's 60,000 words. And the crazy thing is, the reason I bring this up is that it's good. Sometimes my books are not good when they are when they go from this first draft version to my editor. Sometimes my editors will get me things back that say, holy Helen, Rachel, what? Um, start over. And this one is not that. This one is strong. It's it's a good book. It was fun. And I wonder to myself, um, it's not really even wondering. I guess I know that really writing very, very fast is an excellent process for me. It is not an excellent process for a lot of people, perhaps most people. But for me, if I'm writing four or 5,000 words a day, four or five days a week, the book gets done really quickly. But more importantly, the entire plot stays in my mind. Uh, I can lie in bed when I'm going to sleep and kind of play with the plot in my head and I can understand and remember each character's motivation, what their wounds are, what they're trying to heal, um, what they're trying to avoid, the secrets that they won't tell. I can remember them instead of going back to notes because my memory is so bad that if I write something two months ago or three months ago, 
I won't remember it unless I go back and read it, which I really try not to do when I'm getting out the shitty first draft, as Anne Lamont says. Um, so it worked for me. It's It was really fun. It was a fun write. It was a fun write and a fun rewrite, and I'm glad that it's off my plate. Um, I'm calling it a nano win because I did it in November, but I wasn't really... I started it a little bit before, and I, I finished it a little bit before the, the nano month. Um, so I'm kind of a nano rebel, as usual. And what this means is that I get to start thinking about the next book I'm going to write. And I don't know what it is. I have no idea. Um, I thought it was going to be a police thriller. Although right now, political climates, I don't know if I want to write a police thriller, let alone sit with one for that long. Um, I'm definitely drawn to the psychological thriller. I read a lot of them, uh, but it's, it's never been anything I've, write, I've written before, so I don't know if I want to kind of change up my brand at this point, but it is what my agent and I were talking about. I could also write a women's fiction. I had one in mind, and then two nights ago, something else popped into my mind, something that has been keeping me awake at night as I kind of poke at it and turn it around, spin it 360 and see what it looks like. Um, so I just find that this is the most delicious time. It's, uh, I, I had my, one of my friends, Lars Island the other day said on Twitter that it's like falling in love, except, uh, we don't lose our appetite, which is exactly true. Having a new book idea is like falling in love, except you don't get all nervous and stop eating. Instead, I have been eating everything, um, possibly due to a migraine that took me out this weekend. Um, I've also been really trying to get some damn relaxing done. I am not good at it. I am, in fact, terrible at it. And I even crowdsourced an answer for it. Uh, you can see the comments that I got at rachelherron.com slash relax. And I got some really great ideas on how to relax. And most of them revolved around make a list, make it a priority, put things on your list that you're going to do that day and put relaxing on there and check it off when you get there. I think that will really work for me. Of course, as soon as I put the blog post up and asked everybody, I was immediately smacked with a migraine. So I think that that was actually my body's way of saying, help me quit doing everything. So I did. I went to bed for a day and then spent another half day recovering from the migraine hangover. So today I feel great. And um, teaching my memoir class tonight at Stanford. There's only two more classes and I absolutely adore this class. I have told you that before. They are tremendous people. I am so pleased to be working with them. And that's about it. I'm just going to be trying to fart around. That's my goal for the rest of the week is trying to get some relaxing done while I play with story ideas. Really not much better. Okay, enjoy the interview with Janine. I know you will. And get some writing done too. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, I'm so happy to introduce my friend Janine Bages today. Hello, Janine. 
Hello, Rachel. Yay. A little bio for those who might not know you. Janine Bages is an internationally known Fair Isle knitter, designer, and teacher. Her goal is to provide the information that people need to knit their own stranded garments, whether traditional or wild, subdued or saturated, from a pattern or self-designed. Her hands-on workshops in custom color knitting are known for Janine's unstoppable can-do attitude and step-by-step methods. And her new book is called The Joy of Color, and it's out everywhere, and it's gorgeous. Hello, Janine. Hi again, Rachel. (laughs) You know I love this book, and it's just a treat to talk to you. Um, Thank you. This is, can you describe it a little bit, your book? Well, my book is the outgrowth of about a decade of teaching. And I took my class handouts, which kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and all the questions that people had asking me on the side, And I decided to put it all together in one book that could travel the world in the way I couldn't. And it has, you've done such a beautiful, beautiful job with it. Um, And, but this was a departure for you. This was your first book. Um, So I'd love to talk to you about the writing of it and what your process was like. When you were working on it, what was the best time of day for you to write and where did you write? Well, this poor book had such a long gestation period that it's hard to even say what the best time of day for writing on it was. I am a morning person, but I was so afraid of writing this book that I tended to get everything else done, including the vacuuming, (laughs) rather than write. (laughs) What were you what were you scared of with it? Um, the idea of a book is such a big thing. Yeah. And I have spent my life writing. Um, yeah. For 20, 20 years, I was a technical editor. Um, I'm not afraid of writing. But I think the idea of a book is so big that it can stop a person in their tracks. It certainly it stopped me. And so I had to I spent a lot of time trying to get my hands around and my head actually around that whole concept and books because we're friends we've been friends a long time um i know that books are very very important to you as a person you're Mm -hmm. not only you're not only a writer and an editor but you're a huge reader and i think that that Mm -hmm. can sometimes slow some of us down because we know how important a book can be (laughs) where did you do most of your writing i did most of my writing at my computer, which is in a lovely standing desk in front of the windows of my dining room, and they face a wall, or (laughs) actually a fence, so there's no view to distract me. Um, And, well, on the other hand, there's lots and lots of scraps of paper that were (laughs) written on wherever I was. If something came to mind, if I was driving or sitting reading something else with the dog on my lap or something. So these inscrutable little notes saying, don't forget to put this in. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had a big um, foam board with all sorts of post-its where I was trying to move elements around to make them line up logically. So, yeah, unlike a novel or even a a regular piece of nonfiction, um, as a workbook covering lots and lots of different subjects, trying to get it to flow in the way that people would be learning something um, was was a bit of a task here. How sentimental are you of the process of creating the book? Are you the kind of person who saves the foam board and the post-its? Oh, no, I've gotten rid of all of it. Good for you. (laughs) I 
jealous. I have such a sentimental, I finally gotten rid of all the old manuscripts, you know, printed Uh out, but I do keep all my old post-its in one, in one box. Oh my. I just like to riffle through them. I kind of thought, oh, I wonder if I should keep all these. Um, But no, I didn't. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's sensible. You have a book. Yeah, I have the book. The book was the goal. (laughs) The process was not the goal. Now, my sweaters, my knitting, it's different. But where I keep all those swatches and all the history of the development of each particular design. um, And for those who art knitters, when I'm speaking about this kind of knitting, it really is more fiber art than than simple sweater creation. And so that to that to me, I keep every piece of that. But the book, no, I wanted a book and I got a book. And And how do you write? Are you mostly longhand as you start or on the is it all on the computer? Well, that that's an interesting question in terms of my book, because the book did develop out of these handouts that were written. And then after each time I taught a workshop, I made notes about what students were interested in, and I kept adding those at the computer. Mm-hmm. And so I I guess I would say most of it happened at the computer, but the ideas and even the wording happened in my teaching. Oh, so that's they were, cool. it was verbal rather than anything else. And that's, mm-hmm. well, that's super organic to that particular mm-hmm. process too. Yeah. How did yeah. you keep this all organized? What program were you using? Well, I tried a few different programs. I tried Scrivener and I tried um, keeping separate Word documents and neither one of those worked. I, I'm dealing with all sorts of discrete elements. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was trying to keep them separate at first, but I'm a more for all that I'm wordy, I'm a very <laughs> visual person as far as this book went. And it wasn't until I moved everything into InDesign, ah. roughly roughly laid out as if it were the final book, then I was free to write. That's I, interesting. I, yeah, I really, I needed to see it as a book. So I was actually writing in InDesign for, uh, you know, a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I bet you're going to be the first person I've and last person I've ever talked to who's going to say that. Because most I of know. us can't even, like, I can't, I can barely open InDesign. I think I tried to use it for one project and I gave up. So <laughs> that's super interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, for me, because my book is highly visual, um, until I had a sense of how it was going to look, I really... I felt at sea and I, I spent a lot of time uh, running my wheels uh, inefficiently and uselessly until I actually got it into, oh, here's how it would look in a book. Mm. Mm-hmm. When when you were running out of steam on the project, how did you refill the creative well for yourself? Mm. Well, probably eating. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorites. <laughs> No, um, it wasn't so much that I needed my creative well filled up, but I needed to make some firmer external accountability uh, things set up. Yeah. And that's what really got me over the humps that I had. Um, I, unlike a creative writer, I was was not having to come up with ideas. So mm. it wasn't so much that that creative well needed filling I just needed somebody to keep kicking me from behind uh, to keep me moving forward. How did you end and, up doing that? How did you find that? 
I was lucky enough to be part of a, a writer's group, self-publishing authors in the fiber arts field. And so I had people that I could talk to who'd been through it themselves, um, and some of them were willing to actually write to me weekly and ask me how I was doing and try to keep me moving forward. Good. Mm-hmm. That, that because, weekly check-in yeah. is so important. Yeah, and as I, as I say, um, I was self-published, so I didn't have some external contract or editor or anybody else saying, you need to move it along. Right. And that's, that's really problematic when it's under your own steam. Hmm. Steam can run out pretty easily. (laughs) It's much easier to turn on Netflix always. Always. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or dust or, you know, meet somebody for lunch. Like me. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Speaking of people helping and giving advice, what is the worst writing advice you've ever been given? And I hope it wasn't from me. No. (laughs) Um, The worst writing advice is to, um, there were a number of people who really felt that I needed to create my book in the regular mold of knitting books in Mm. the field. Mm -hmm. And I had, from the get-go, I had a real strong vision of what I wanted to do, which was um, really much more idiosyncratic than anything else that's been published. I never approached a regular publisher, in fact, because I just didn't even think anybody would be willing to go along with my vision. Mm-hmm. And um, but people would would keep pushing at me like, oh, you're going to do this, aren't you? You're going to do this, aren't you? And I, <laughs> I'd be saying, no, you know, as politely as I could. Well, no, that's something I actually really dislike about most books in the field. I'm not <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> I have my vision this way. And because I'm self-publishing, you know, I just felt like I'm going to sink or swim on my own vision. I am not going to live anybody else's vision. And, um, you know, that is a place of privilege, uh, because I was able to pre-sell enough copies of this that mm-hmm. I could pretty much afford to pay for the printing and the other development work. But um, it, it was a bit of a lonely position to be in, too, because I didn't have any format that I could just fall back on. And not a lot of people doing exactly what you're doing anyway. And no yeah. one, I can I can think of no one who's made such a, a gorgeous project, product that is not only indistinguishable from professional, you know, traditionally published um, books, but actually more attractive with better oh. paper and better pictures and better layout. I just, I, I well, and, thank you. And the words in the inside are the most important part to me, of course. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> and, I guess, and the picture of myself. I think there's a picture of me. Yeah, there, there you go. There's a picture of you. Yes. Um, well, you know, I will say the thing that really pushed me over the top to finish the project was after a number of real false starts, I found a book designer that I could work with really, Mm. really well. And she provided the external deadlines for me because Mm -hmm. she was very professional and organized that that actually moved it from like 90% done to 120% done. (laughs) And I couldn't have done it without her. It, It wasn't the book that it, without her, it wouldn't have had any of the visual cohesion Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. what uh, what secret writing tip of awesomeness did you discover the hard way? My secret writing tip is um, 
Well, I bet these are all very personal. And for me, it was I need external accountability that's mm-hmm. real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not not putting that, not putting your designer out or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I just, I mm-hmm. just turned in a, it's going to be a self-published book, but I turned it into my editor last uh, Friday. And mm-hmm. it was one of those that, that I could have easily pushed it, but I would have screwed up her entire schedule. And yeah. I couldn't yeah. do that. So then you, yeah. then you turn it and in. And I wish... You know, in retrospect, when you look back at a project, you know, it seems like, oh, I wish I had done this sooner. I wish I'd done that sooner. I wish I had found this designer. And mm-hmm. Kate Kate Godfrey is her name. Okay, Kate, graphic design in San Francisco. I'm going to give her a call out. Um, but I, you, you can't find the people or the events that are going to work for you until it's time for them to show up. Exactly. And, you know, she showed up when she showed up after I had gone through two other designers and then attempted to teach myself design. <laughs> in order to get this done. So, you know, it takes what it takes. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like fiction that way. You know, I can't, I can't, I'd love to start where the book has to be, mm-hmm. but I don't know where the book has to be until I've screwed it up a few times. Yes. And- <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. How about a quick craft tip of any sort? I did find that having that foam board with those post-it notes, mm. arranging things around, really um, helped me visualize and move forward and see where the gaps were. So, you know, in terms of crafty tips, that 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 was the best. I am a big, big, big fan of post-its. Mm-hmm. Huge mm-hmm. fan. <laughs> on mm-hmm. on really bad days, if uh, you couldn't have written this book and you could just choose any profession that you could have, what would it be? What would you be? I'd be a librarian. <laughs> in kinder- Why? In, in kindergarten, you know, we were sitting around <laughs> and they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, librarian. And I don't know why I didn't follow through with that. I mean, it just, it would have been so right. It really would have been. <laughs> you live across. You you live a stone's throw from the library right now. I know, I know, and I keep wondering how do I get so many overdue fines when I can just walk across the street? You could hurl it. <laughs> if you were starting over with your book now, what advice would you give yourself? You may have already said this. I would tell myself that there's nothing to be afraid of. Um, and that I have enough to get started Mm. and that, um, all I need is to give it some focus every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I was too pulled in too many directions. I, Mm -hmm. um, as you know, I run a small, um, online yarn sale business. I do a lot of teaching and I do a lot of designing. Mm -hmm. So the writing is the fourth part. And then, you know, I'm a human being with a family, you know, the rugs keep needing to be vacuumed and the whole (laughs) thing. So um, I allowed the book to not be the top priority. And I wish I had made it the top priority. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I like that. Can you tell um, listeners where they can find you and your book? Well, I can be found at uh, feralknitter.com. F-E-R-A-L-K-N-I-T-T-E-R.com. And that is a play on the phrase Fair Isle Knitter. For those, <laughs> for those listeners who aren't knitters, Fair Isle Knitting is a very colorful type of knitting. 
that arose in the Shetland Islands, and Fair Isle is one of the islands there. And a non-knitter once heard me talking about it and said, Janine, what is feral knitting? <laughs> and that, that has become my name. Um, and so my website is feralknitter.com, and my book is available there. And the book is titled The Joy of Color, Fair Isle Knitting Your Way by Janine mm -hmm. Bages. And I can't recommend it more highly. Thank you, Janine. Thanks so much for being on the show. What a treat. Thank you, Rachel. Okay, have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.